On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to The Left Wing. Well, on today's episode, I speak with Leinster and Ireland prop Andrew Porter, who's an ambassador for the Irish Cancer Society. On this episode, Andrew talks about his state of mind after their exit from the World Cup. I was quite naive to think that, yeah, like this will we'll keep winning. And you can get caught up in that quite easily, like um, a small bit complacent in that sense. Post-World Cup, it, quite, it hit me quite hard because I suppose I didn't prepare as well for that. Letting go of the past going into the Six Nations. I was questioning was I cut out to play professional rugby when I came home. Like I was, there was like, there was so much of that kind of constantly going around in my head that I was convincing myself that that was the case, but it, it, it clearly isn't. That's the thing with them. Um, with self-doubt, it can, it can creep up on you like that. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's something I'm really trying to work on. And their hopes of winning a historic back-to-back Grand Slam. You always want to be winning. So like there's, you, you don't want to say it, but like there, you don't want to jinx it. But yeah, like, every, like obviously we're, we're pushing for that, um, that Grand Slam again and, and doing what kind of no, no other team has done in back-to-back. Well, Andrew, thank you for coming in this morning. Thank you. Yeah, you- great to be here. You had an early start this morning. Tell me. Yeah, yeah. Like I've been up, I'd say since half two this morning. Like, yeah, like not by my own choice. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes I like I can wake up in the middle of the night and then and there's no getting back to sleep. So I just I just have to start the day then and just kind of bite the bullet and go. So you started your day at two thirty this morning. Yeah, yeah. What did you do? Oh, lots of housework. Like, there's no, yeah, <laughs> your wife there's must no, be there's delighted. Not much open, there's not much open that I can really do outside the house. So I was there. Uh, and will yeah. you have a bit of a sleep later in the day? That was here we go, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And is it something that would ha- happen regularly or? Uh, no, it's actually, it's quite rare that it happens. Mm. Like it went through kind of bad patch of like just not sleeping after the World Cup was probably the last time. Like, but uh, I think that was just because you're, you're coming from such a different environment. You're coming back home. 
and it's uh, such kind of a shock. You're coming from living in a in your team environment with all like all the lads. You're kind of coming home where you're coming off such a high. I think um, that could be that, but uh, maybe it's the it's I'm still from the high after the Italian game that that's kind of like it's kind of hit me now that. Um, but yeah, it's yeah happens quite rarely for me. And you were saying there in the week after the World Cup exit that you only got around five hours sleep that week? Yeah, yeah. Like wow. that, was, uh, that was a tough, Is that you just your mind into overdrive? I or? think so. I think like, especially after that, like I think um, probably just overthinking and your mind's kind of, your mind's thinking of every possible scenario of what you could have done, I suppose, in that, uh, um, in the last game and everything like that. So um yeah, it was, it was a tough enough weekend. It was a bit of a shock to the system coming back home. Like. And when do you when do you go back to normal sleep? Like, when are you able to kind of box that off and just leave it? And, you know, and I suppose by being able to sleep more, that kind of tells you perhaps if you're gradually getting over something as well, does it? Exactly, yeah. Like, it, like I would have spoken to, like, a lot of the coaches and, um, like, a lot of other people in my family and stuff. And, like, they said it's quite normal uh, for, for, obviously, when you're playing at such a high level. Um, and to come from such a such a high of mm-hmm. of being in the World Cup and that all that excitement and then coming back come back home and when you're when you've been in camp for maybe like four months and that's like that's your kind of routine you're in that that's such such a routine of a day to day like you're it's so regimented and then coming home where you're kind of you feel a small bit lost after that um. Yeah, it was just it was just a huge shock to the system. I think coming home and uh, yeah, it was. Hopefully, I'm I'm over it now. I think though. Yeah, and how were you sleeping? How was your sleep before the night before a game? You know, was that okay or? Yeah, you'd be quite quite good before a game. Um, yeah, there wouldn't be like I wouldn't really be trying to overthink it too much. Like until until it happens, like until the game um, comes about. But I, yeah, I wouldn't really lose much sleep the the night before. It'd usually be the night after. Uh, where it'd be like the adrenaline is still going and you're uh, you're you're still up, especially those late night kickoffs mm-hmm. where you're uh, you wouldn't be finished till maybe eleven or twelve o'clock, especially like we saw in in, in Marseille where you're, it's a nine o'clock kickoff. So yeah. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't be sleeping for a while then. And what was it like on Sunday evening after the win over Italy? Were you able to kick back, have a few drinks? How do you unwind? Yeah, like that's I think that's a the special te- special thing about this team. Like you're. Um, when you're working, you're you're on and you're 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 putting putting the hours of training and um and doing all your nutrition and everything. But like I think when you're um a part of such a special team like this, it's it's important to be able to enjoy yourself, enjoy each other's company. And I think that's something Faz and the rest of the coaches really try and um, uh, encourage us to do, especially when we've been away from our families for so long. It's it's important to be able to get get all of our partners and our families in after the games and be able to enjoy time with them and uh, be able to mix with them after games. And I think that's it's something that's really special about this team where like we can enjoy ourselves and um, it's not too strict like in, in terms of drinking bands and stuff like like that there might be with other teams. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of enjoy yourself after a game and kind of relax and, and know you've put in a good good shift and be able to yeah enjoy a few drinks after. You don't strike me as a coppers going group. Now I could be wrong <laughs> here. <laughs> uh, sometimes. Is there, yeah. Was there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we might have might have ventured in on Sunday night. Uh, oh, did you go on Sunday <laughs> night? <laughs> hours, yeah, yeah. And you told me you all went to a, to a house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So we might a few of us might have ventured in. Right. Yeah, yeah. Quite a 
it's quite empty on a, on a Sunday night all the same. Yeah, that must have been. Who do you gravitate towards? You know, when you're in a big group like that, who do you always find yourself with, like at the end of a night or whatever? Um, usually the props kind of stick together quite well, but like I'd be I'd be fairly close with a lot of like the uh, obviously with the with the Leinster lads like Caelan mm-hmm. and Hugo and, and Ronan Kelleher like they're they're all housemates and they like I get on fairly well with them like Ronan Keller is my roommate usually when we're uh, away from home so yeah. uh, I get on very well with him. Um, I don't think he can really say the same when we're when we're room together because I'm Why? quite a snorer. Like, so, oh no! Uh, yeah, he's he's. It's kind of a love hate relationship there at the moment, but yeah. What does he say to you in the morning if you've had a particularly yeah, usually, heavy? I usually get like he he sets up like a couple of bottles on the side of his bed, right? Where it's just stuff to throw at me in the middle of the oh, night. Right, has ammunition ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's a good plan. Yeah, it's it's not so good for me though. No, it's, no. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you tend to see sometimes wake up at two thirty in the morning, you're like, let me. Have yeah, a then sleep. then I'm not getting back to sleep without. So it's just yeah. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, well, look, you're here to help promote uh, the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day next month. And Andrew, this is obviously a subject very close to your heart. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's something that, that's obviously affected um, my family and, and also a lot of people, um, a lot of my family, like, like my extended family and also a lot of my friends as well. So I think like it's, there's a lot of people who are affected by, by cancer and in, in in many ways, like whether it's um, uh, like directly one of their family members or someone they know, so it's it's an incredibly important charity for me to be a part of. Um, and yeah, like it's 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 such an important day, Daffodil Day, because they're only given, I think, five percent funding right. by the government, so they rely on on the public and the generosity of 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 the Irish people to to generate most of their. Um, most of their money, so they can then put that to good use and put it to all the all the, the the great services that they do. And you've obviously been so open in the past about your mental mental health in the past and uh, your eating disorder, and obviously you're one of the main players on the Netflix uh, documentary series. And uh, first of all, what kind of reaction did you get from that? Yeah, it was mainly positive. Like yeah. it was, uh, it was. It was quite strange, kind of seeing myself on on Netflix, and it kind of took a bit for me to, to actually go and watch it myself. Did it? Yeah. Uh, I was I was going to watch it um, with the with the sound off, the subtitles <laughs> on, and then I just forced myself just to watch it, like just get it over with. But yeah, like I was I was delighted with how it turned out, and I got some great um, great feedback from it, and I think like hopefully by myself being able to talk about these things and kind of be able to shine a light on um, kind of a the other side of um of my life that's that that people don't see like obviously people see uh me as the rugby player um but there is a yeah there's a another side to me that people might not see that and maybe a lot of people are going through the same thing mm-hmm. but by by me talking about it hopefully it gives them the confidence and maybe the like maybe the, like something in them to help go and get help and and talk about it themselves and yeah, I think it's. I think it's mental health is is so important, especially in today. Um, and it affects. I think it's something that affects everyone. And how do you look back on on yourself as that young boy trying to cope with all that at the time? Yeah, like it's, it's quite mad, kind of looking back. Um, looking back on that and to, to how far I've come now. Um, like in in the moment, like back then, I don't think I would have ever dreamed of being a. Uh, professional rugby player um, I don't think I was thinking about it like anything other than kind of 
what I was going through at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so hard to kind of get yourself out of that that mindset. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I had incredible family around me. I had incredible friends uh, in school. Um, when I was going through um, kind of my hardest times, and 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 they all got me through it in the end. So um, and rugby as well mm-hmm. got me through it. Um, something that I always loved doing since I was four years old. When my dad brought me down to play for Old Wesley, like it was, uh, yeah, it was it was rugby that I I just loved doing. No matter like if it was at the end of a the worst school day ever, or, um, or anything, I'd always enjoy going out and playing with my mates. So, um, having rugby there is huge. Yeah, of course. And you know, did you feel it was something that came on you suddenly, or was it a slow process, or what? What was that like for you as you were trying to figure out what what was happening to you at the time? Yeah, like I suppose mental health is something that can. It kind of it can sneak up on you, I suppose. It's it's something that can kind of slowly chip away at you, and then kind of suddenly you're like 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 I was. I was I was about half the size I was. Um, so like, it, and then you don't notice it until like it's nearly like you're you're kind of so far down the road, and then you kind of you had people kind of telling you all along that like oh like are you okay okay, but you don't want to talk about it at all. So it is something that can kind of chip away at you in over a long period of time and then then suddenly you realize oh maybe I actually do need to help maybe I do need to talk about this with someone um yeah so it's it was kind of a slow burner for me I suppose yeah and you probably did you even realize at the time the control it had over you no like because like it was I was so young yeah. so like you're I don't think when you're when you're that age you're really mm. very well equipped to kind of deal with things like like loss like I wasn't um I was 12 when I lost my mother so I didn't um I couldn't really like articulate the whole situation myself like and I think I thought at the time that that's what I should do because mm-hmm. I was I was I was a man like I was, I was a boy at the time so I was like oh this is I shouldn't talk about this and it'll all go away eventually um and I think that's what a lot of people the stigma that um that men shouldn't talk about it, but in reality, it's it's men that are that are seventy seventy five percent of the suicide rates in Ireland and I think across the world. So it's uh, it's more important than ever for for men to speak up and and to talk to someone and go get help. And was there any point that was kind of a turning point, as it were, that kind of led you on to kind of the the rec- recovery from it? Um, I'm not sure if there was like a specific kind of point for me. I suppose it was more just kind of I could see what my family was going through as well, and then kind of my own my own struggles on top of that. Like I kind of felt like I was like I felt like I was kind of adding to that, and it wasn't until I kind of looked around and kind of looked at myself really that I was I kind of realized how much my family cared for me. Um, because at the time you feel so like on your own, you feel like quite lonely, Um you feel like you're you're going through all these things on your own, and um, but that's that wasn't the case at all. I had my family and friends there all along, and then it took me like a few years to actually realize that. And then, yeah, I, I suppose I wanted to do it for them. Um, yeah. And is it like you know your the eating disorder, the anorexia? Is that something you're constantly trying to keep? on top of as well, just to make sure if there's anything, you know, that you're, you're continuing on that road to recovery. Is that something that you kind of think about or? Uh, yeah, like I suppose it's like, uh, I constantly think about it because mm-hmm. that's, that person is, is, is the reason I am to where I am today, I suppose. 
And I suppose like mental health can like it can always kind of come back and it can always kind of creep in like kind of self-doubt, um, especially as a, a professional athlete, um, self-doubt and kind of outside noise. You can you can start listening to that very quickly. Um, so it's, it's, just, it's something you always kind of have to constantly stay on top of, I suppose. Yeah, of course. And like, as you said, you know, as a professional rugby player, like when you're going into something like a World Cup and you're trying to stay positive, you know, with the team and, but you know the way sport is that everything doesn't always work out. So do you almost have to have a mechanism in place as well in case it doesn't work out and, you know, it doesn't go the way you want it to go to, to kind of safeguard your feelings and your emotions at that particular point then as well? Yeah, like um, we work a lot with our uh, mental skills coach, Gary Keegan in, in the IRFU. Um, and it's only really now where I've I've started kind of like paying attention to it because it was before, like I suppose we were, well, I was quite naive to think that, yes, yeah, like this will we'll keep winning. I don't need to worry about it. Um, and you can get caught up in that quite easily, like in, in kind of a small bit complacent in that sense. But um, yeah, I, I suppose it kind of like post-World Cup, it, quite, it hit me quite hard because I suppose I didn't prepare as well for that. Like I, I had my experiences with, with uh, loss like throughout the season mm-hmm. with obviously... Um, two Champions Cup finals with, with Leinster and everything. So, um, like, I have experience, like plenty of experience in, in winning as also as well as losing. So, um, but it is something, yeah, like it's all part and parcel in the sport, I suppose, in, in, in any professional sport. And so after you came home and you mentioned about the sleeping there, how else does it manifest itself? Um, I suppose, yeah, like, like I said, like self-doubt and kind of, you're kind of questioning your your, your self-worth and and. I, even after, like, I was questioned was I cut out to play professional rugby when I came home. Like, I was, there was like, there was so much of that kind of constantly going around in my head that I was, um, yeah, that I was, I was convincing myself that that was the case, but it, it, it clearly isn't. And, and how did you get yourself out of that then? Um, I suppose just getting, kind of getting back to playing and get back to doing what I loved. Like, I suppose, like, Having I had three weeks off after the after the World Cup and it was nearly nearly the worst having time off because I was kind of with my, with my thoughts too much where I could like well, if I was training and kind of something to work towards um it was it would take my mind off and I could go back to doing something I enjoy again. You know, you're one of the best loose head props in the world. It's it's unbelievable in some ways that somebody like you would have such strong doubts. Um, about your your place, you know, in in the in the rugby world like that. Yeah, like I think it's it's one of those things that like you can. I think you're your your own worst critic. Like it's, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like it's because you can you can make up a lot of stuff about yourself and kind of like what like you can you can you can nearly convince yourself that like uh, like you don't have a place in. In rugby, like I was nearly convincing myself when I came back. So, um, yeah, but that's that's the thing with um, with self doubt. It can it can creep up on you like that. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's something I'm really trying to work on, especially with uh, with our coaches and stuff in 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 Ireland. And and did you talk to somebody like Gary Keegan afterwards? Like, do you like wait until you go into camp to talk to these people, or are they available to you like in the months afterwards before you go into camp? Yeah, like they're they're always available. Yeah. Yeah, but I, like again, I thought I 
I could deal with it myself. Okay. It was one of those, it's kind of one of those cycles where you're just like, yeah, this, uh, I'm a professional athlete. I should be able to deal with this. Yeah. Isn't that mad though? Because, you know, you ha- you work with Gary for so long and everything that, you know, you, you think that you would go, okay, I-, I need to talk to Gary rather than thinking you can deal with it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I suppose it's, it's, uh, it's another one of those things where like maybe compl- like you think you can handle everything. Um, but yeah, like it's, 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 just, it's one of those things where like you have so many people at your disposal to, that want to help you. Um, and I suppose that goes for anything. Like there, there is always so much, so many people there who want to help you, who want to give you a dig out. Um, is, yeah. it a, is it a pride thing or where, where is it kind of almost stemming from or that would make you think that you can do with, you know, that by yourself. I suppose, yeah, probably, it probably is a pride thing. Probably like, like, I don't think anyone wants to, sometimes people don't want to admit they need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's been kind of like my story <laughs> for, uh, of my life so far. But um, like, I've, it's proven in the past that it's, it's worked for me. But I think, yeah, like you said, it can creep in where you're, you, your pride kind of takes over a small bit and you're, you're trying to deal with everything yourself and sometimes it can kind of get too much to handle. Yeah. And again, for that kind of term, uh, turning point, was there kind of a light bulb moment where you came out of that or how did that work for you? Um, I suppose like it was, it was getting back to playing with Leinster. It was getting back training and kind of enjoying it, like enjoying being there with the team. Like, um, yeah, like it was, it was that kind of, it was the environment. I, I just love being part of the team environment where um, you're in there with your mates and your coaches and everyone's, everyone's trying to help each other. And um, yeah, it's just a great environment to be a part of. Yeah, so when you're in camp now with Andy Farrell and Gary Keegan's there, how much is mental work uh, mixed in with your physical work? Like what's the ratio almost like? Because we speak of this Irish team as being very resilient, the way you've come back from uh, the World Cup and the opening two games of the Six, Six Nations. How how mixed in is it? Like is it a case of ye all talking to Gary individually or is it all kind of in together? What way does that work? Yeah, like we'd have, um, we'd have like Gary would speak to the team as well as having kind of individual, um, individual kind yeah. of slots. Because um, obviously everyone works in, in different ways. Everyone learns at different um in different ways as well so like it's it's quite tailored to to each player I suppose um, but yeah it's, it's quite um, it's quite balanced in terms of the the mental load and the and the physical load they want the coaches obviously want to keep us as fresh as possible going into games um, and they also don't want us to be mentally burned out so it's uh, it's 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 striking that balance that I think the coaches have done really well um, in camp and uh, you're you're constantly it's it's such an enjoyable environment to be a part of Um where you're not, you're not burned out all the time, and um, you're you're mentally and physically fresh coming in coming into big games when it when it counts. So when you work with Gary, or when you kind of um, say positive stuff to yourself, what tunes you in? Like what gets you just right on it going into a game? Um, I suppose just like having my mental prep done. Yeah, like having. What does that involve exactly? Like I, I used to be someone who doesn't take a lot of like notes. Mm-hmm. I'd used to be like. I'd always find like in a meeting if I if I was right and I wasn't listening, but like um I suppose like I'd do my own mental prep and I'd have my notebook now myself. Just going through stuff. Just going through it? like going through scenarios for visualization. Um and you're yeah, you're preparing for nearly every eventuality in the game. Um because you're trying to in the at the end, like you have to be it's such a 
kind of there's so many unknowns and so many variables in the, so in the game. So you try and go through all trying scenarios. Trying to prepare for all, all kind of situations and just kind of trying to be as adaptable as possible um, and preparing yourself mentally for for the battle that's coming up, basically. And kind of, I suppose, once I have all my kind of mental areas ticked off, uh, a lot of the physical stuff will follow. Mm. Um, yeah, that's what I find that works, works quite well for me. I mean, for so many of us after the World Cup and going into the Six Nations, I mean, even directly after the World Cup, it was like, oh, so disappointed. Can you imagine what the players are feeling like? So when when did it all switch for you going into the Six Nations? I mean, if somebody had told you a few days after the New Zealand defeat, you'd go to France in the Six Nations, put on a record scoring margin, finish the opening two rounds with 10 points at the top of the table. You know, the difference back then between like, what, how were you able to be on that level of mental pitch in France, a team that were probably seen struggling after the World Cup. Yeah, like it was, um, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy coming into the the Six Nations, Six Nations camp. Like mm-hmm. when at the end of January, um, it was like it was like nothing had happened. In really, the, in nearly the World Cup, everyone was just like buzzing to get in. Everyone's so excited to to get back to work um, and kind of and and do what we know we're capable of. Um, because we've got like incredible players um across the board in this team. Uh so I think everyone was just insanely excited and motivated to get back to work and and uh obviously we had our eyes on France um, in the first game. Um but were you on the same page as Andy Fargs? Remember him saying at the Six Nations launch, I'm over the World Cup. And it was like, oh my goodness. It like it didn't feel like just a message to the media. It felt like almost a message to you guys. So when you hear your head coach going, I'm over it, you know, I'm over the World Cup, you know, this is, you know, a new time, you know, what did that feel like for you? And was that the kind of messaging? What was the messaging coming from Andy when he got into camp? I suppose, yeah, like that was basically the whole thing. Like, because as Andy understands better than everyone, because he's, Obviously, been through as a player, he understands the ups and downs of the sport, and uh, yeah, that was the biggest thing for him. Like it was, it was, it was letting go of the past because that was going to that's the thing that was going to be holding us back. Obviously, you have to learn from mm-hmm. um, from what's happened, but just kind of letting go of that so we can move on um, and focus completely on uh, on the next task at hand and, and focus on on France, which was our first game. And I think when you have um, a coach and a leader like that who um, who believes so strongly in um in something like that? I think it's 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 great for the players because like it's easy for a player to kind of hold on to your own individual performances that have that have that might have happened in the past. But I think when you have a coach like that telling you like, don't worry about that. We'll we'll focus on the next thing. We'll focus on just getting better, um, and focus on bringing out the best in the team. And was that when you were like totally? I mean, game against New Zealand, put to bed. Yeah, yeah. I was like, because anytime I come into camp, I'm buzzing. Like my my wife, I know. my wife is like, oh, you can't wait to get out of the door. You can't wait to like go back into camp. Like it's um, because it's the environment that that's been created for us and um, by the coaches and that's been kind of cultivated by ourselves. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 great to be to be a part of something like that and such a, a positive and um, it's a great atmosphere in camp always. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. Um, Ron O'Gara said in a recent left-wing podcast that probably in the past that um, it's not really an Irish thing to expect excellence year in, year out, that that might be more of a New Zealand culture. But that seems to be something you are building here. Yeah, like like there's 
like we talk about as a team, kind of inspiring, inspiring the nation and insp- like hopefully inspiring the next generation of of rugby players and and not not even rugby players. Hope like inspiring just people at home, um, and trying to give them like people at home something to be proud of. Um, like you said, like yeah, I th- think it's it's quite unknown for an Irish team, like as like we've seen like as history shows us like it's it's quite uncommon for like uh, uh, a te- an Irish team to be doing so well like this but uh, yeah like it's it's something we pride ourselves on and, and putting in putting in hard work and, and training that we can go and uh, deliver results in, in games so yeah like it's 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 incredible to be a part of something like this and it's a great I think Irish rugby's in a great place at the moment what makes Andy Farr different from other coaches? Every coach is different. What makes him different? Um, I don't, like I suppose, like he's he's obviously played the game himself. He knows kind of the stresses that can come with it. Um, he knows kind of what anxieties players might have. Um, obviously, you're in you're away from your family for for a while uh, when you're when you're in camp, so that can be tough on players. So he. A lot of he'll try to get the families involved as much as he can, um, in that sense. And then like he just wants to have it like an environment where where people get on so well off the field that that they gel so well on the pitch. So I think there's there's a huge emphasis on building connections um between players you might not obviously know as well. Like you're you obviously know your provincial, like your own provincial yeah. team quite well, but he's encouraging those kind of deeper relationships off the field. Is that done organically or is it... Yeah, like it ha- it happens like, it happens quite naturally in camp. Right. Um, and like, yeah, it's it's one of the closest teams I've, I've, I've been a part of. Like it's, um, yeah, like because I've been part of teams in the past where like you feel, um, you feel a small bit on the outside, I suppose. But like this team is just like, um, it's, it's, it's incredibly well connected uh, across the board, I think. And how does Andy kind of balance between, he seems like the kind of, you know, the father figure, you know, and then like, I've no doubt he's bloody ruthless as well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you have to be as, as a, as a, as a head coach. So, um, yeah, like he, but he gets the balance, um, uh, he strikes the balance like incredibly well, like in terms of, um, he's a great man manager, um, and he's, he's an incredible coach as well. That's, it's constantly looking to, improve the team, uh, improve each individual player. Um, Is there any particular moment that stood out to you about his man management? Um, it's tough now on the spot. Like <laughs> It's tough on the spot, but like there's, um, it's just the amount of, amount of respect that I think the team has for him, uh, that each player has for him. It's, uh, it's incredible and it's, it just shows like how, uh, how well regarded he is as a, as a coach. After the game last weekend, he said in one of the post-match TV interviews that uh, he thought the scrum was the man of the match. Uh, <laughs> he must have been pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's always uh, always a plus when the scrum is going well on the day. So it's uh, yeah, happy enough with how that went, obviously, compared to uh, the week before against France where it didn't strike uh, quite go as well for us as we planned but um, it's nice to be able to kind of turn it around like that and yeah. uh, put out a good performance. I suppose there's been a bit, a bit of talk around that like do you feel that there is that kind of um, negative kind of narrative or whatever that thing may be around your scrummaging how how do you feel about that? Yeah like like you're always going to get some 
criticism somewhere, but like all I can do is is work with my coaches and work with myself. Like it's always it's something that is constantly changing. Yeah. Um and you're always gonna you're always gonna come up against a different challenge week in, week out. Uh someone who doesn't scrummage the like the way you plan. Like things don't always go to plan. So it's uh it's like like I was talking earlier, it's about being adaptable in the in the game and and uh yeah, it's 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 constant improvement of mine. Yeah, is yeah, and I suppose after the World Cup and you know New Zealand, there is there kind of any fear there like that it could get into other referees' heads, or and then that gets into your head, you know? That's yeah, that's one of the things. Like it's, um, I can only control what I do. There's there's only so much I can control. Um, I can only control myself. I can't, um, mm. and it's about controlling the controllables. Like there's no point in worrying about what I can't control. So yeah, um, of course. And what are you doing to try and you know to make sure that you have your kind of game right? So it's constantly like drilling with like uh, John Fogarty. Like I'm constantly trying to work work with him and work with other players and like, um, like Tig and Keen He like Churchy are are great lads to learn off. Like they've obviously been through the been in the game. Uh, Plenty of time now, so they're they're great lads to learn off as well. So yeah, and yeah. and that's obviously been such a huge uh, change for Irish rugby generally. You know, Johnny Sexton um, no longer there. Jack Crowley, um, how do you feel he's gone so far? Yeah, he's been incredible. Like he's yeah. uh, obviously Johnny, um, even last year, like it's um, there was huge boots to fill, but uh, Jack Crowley's stepped up incredibly well to it, and he's taken everything in his stride. And yeah, like it's it's. It's incredible how well he's got of slotted into that role, and um, you could see him growing more and more as a player. Like not even not even Jack, like you can see like the other other out halves as well, like growing because they're all there's huge competition in the squad, so like they're all pushing for that. Like Harry Byrne is is doing incredible now as well. Like I think it's um, it's given them all kind of like something to to push for, um, and it's it's great to see like how well they're all doing. But like yeah, Jack's been. He's incredible, like he's an incredible leader. Um, yeah. And yeah, like it's, he's a great lad off the pitch as well. Yeah, I mean, there's been some criticism about his performances, completely unwarranted in my view. You know, you're kind of going, this is the guy who's just going into the role, you know, give him a bit of space. Is that is that how you feel? Yeah, like he's, he's, he's still a young fella. Like yeah. he's, uh, I, and he got his first test try there the other day against Italy. So it's, he's, um, but yeah, he's, he's taken to it incredibly well. And I think the, Obviously, you're always going to get. There's always going to be that pressure, and I suppose that criticism from from kind of the outside. But uh, he's he's quite good at kind of shutting that out and and getting on with things. And I think that's he's shown that in in his performance against France and and against Italy there last weekend as well. Does has Andy Farrell kind of themed this season? Does he do that? I mean, you're now two games, two wins, um, trying to do something no team has done before and win back to back Six Nations Grand Slams. Is you know that is that that's kind of enough almost, isn't it? Like, to, yeah, like <laughs> he doesn't in the, need in the to... end, yeah, there, that is kind of you always like you always want to be winning. So like, there's um, and like you you don't want to say it, but like you don't want to jinx it, but. Um, yeah, like every, like obviously we're we're pushing for that, um, that Grand Slam again, and and doing what kind of no no other team has done and back to back. So it's uh, yeah, it's 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 exciting just being a part of like mm. something something like that. And but it's it's just that kind of that drive to to keep winning. And um, yeah, it's it's obviously it's there's that pressure that comes with that. But it's uh, it's kind of that pressure is like a privilege in our situation, I suppose. 
Yeah. And, you know, do you feel that, you know, by trying to do something no team has ever done before and within that, like, do you feel you're even getting better as a team? I suppose so, because we're we're constantly, we're gauging ourselves off uh, of our own performances. So, like, like, even against France, like, in, in Marseille, we were looking at ourselves like, geez, we left, we left a few scores out there. Like, we, like, we like we could have done so many more things better than 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 how we did it. So like we were constantly gauging ourselves off off our past performances and and trying to keep pushing on from um from where we were. So um like because you're always going to have that target on your back. As um obviously we're we're champions from last year, so you're the you're the team to to beat. Um, for, Do you like that? Do you like that? Yeah, like it's it's it's. it's 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 a good pressure to have, like, because you're you're always constantly trying to improve. Um, and if you if you stand still, you get caught out. Like, your other teams will catch up to you. So, like, that's something that like you can't get complacent in this uh, in this role and in this in this kind of high performing environment. You can't get you can't get caught standing still because yeah, other teams are moving and other teams are trying to catch in. And like I said, we have that target on our back. And from that guy, you know, in the week or whatever after the World Cup, kind of having those kind of self-doubts about himself to, to where you are now, Andrew, like, how does that make you feel, you know, and just have, a, is there that contentment there? How does it make you feel being and performing the way you are now again? Yeah, like, I suppose it comes back to me, um, it comes back to enjoying it. I, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing so much with the group that I'm doing it with. So it's, yeah, there is that. There is a, a like a high level of contentment there, like yeah. in, especially when you're winning. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, like back to back to enjoying it, like back to yeah, it's just it's just a great thing to be a part of, I suppose. Well, that's a great thing to be able to say. Will you go home now and go for a bit of kip after being up at two thirty this morning? Yeah, a few more jobs to do. So. <laughs> do <we? laughs> Well, um, listen, uh, the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day takes place Friday the 22nd of January this year. Go to cancer.ie to get involved or donate. Andrew, uh, the very best of luck to you you and the team for the rest of the Six Nations and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Thank Thank you. you.